Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to John chapter 16 and meet me at verse 33. John chapter 16 and verse 33. I want to thank Natasha for putting all this together as well regarding our ugly sweater and how we present gifts. That is all Natasha. Thank her for that as well. Those of you watching us online or listening to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Facebook, thank you for joining us today. Do not cut me off if I have this ugly sweater on. Keep me on. This is our ugly sweater Sunday. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Somebody say peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's sharing with us that simultaneously we are in him and we are in the world. So physically, we are in this world. But spiritually, we are in him. We are in Christ. We are in him. We are in Christ Jesus. We have been born into him. John chapter 3 tells us that when we are born again, we are born into the body of Christ. We are in him when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, when we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we then become born again. We are saved and we are in him. And so simultaneously, we are in him. We're seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and dominions and rulers of the darkness. Ephesians tells us that he has made us sit together with him. And we understand that we are with him, we are in him, however, we are also in this world. We have five physical senses. We live in this godless society. We are in the world, and we are not in the world just to be running and hiding. We are in the world to make an impact. We are in the world to change the world. We are in the world to change how things are run. We're in the world to seek and save that which was lost. There's a reason why we are ambassadors in this world system. And Jesus tells us here that in the world you will have difficulties. You will have challenges. You will go through things. You will have chaos and uncertainty. In this world, things are not going to always go your way. In this world, you're going to be agitated and distressed. In this world, there is sadness. In this world, there is chaos. In this world, there's going to be tribulation. He says, but in me, you may have peace. So remember, simultaneously, we are in the world and we are also in Christ Jesus Those that have been born again are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is saying, in me, you will have peace. Somebody say peace. Peace. Now, you're going to have peace while you're in the world. 
So although the world is going through all of the chaos and uncertainty, we're not immune to that. Those things are around us, but in Christ Jesus, we can have peace. Now, last week, we talked about stress-free living, and we discussed what stress is all about. We said that stress is the weight and the pressure that you carry, which is imposed or solicited by dates and deadlines, in order to produce and deliver. So many of us, matter of fact, all of us are not immune to stress coming because stress will come when you have a date or a deadline. Christmas is coming. With just saying that, stress has been solicited towards you because there's going to be some weight and some cares and some pressure that tries to jump on you because there is a deadline. And this deadline is what causes you to want to produce and deliver. And so it carries with it some form of stress. I was talking to John here, and John said to me, he goes, Pastor, I don't know how you always bring a rest, a fresh um, revelatory word every Sunday. I don't know how you do it. And I said, well, John, it comes with it, stress. <laughs> but more importantly, I told John this, more importantly is I'm amazed how excited I am every time I preach every Sunday, every Wednesday. I am always excited about it, and I've been doing it for decades now. I'm excited about it, and that's, that amazes me more than simply coming up with uh, something to talk to you about, to share with you, to encourage you and enlighten you, that the Spirit of God will excite me every single time about a passage of Scripture, and I deliver that passage of Scripture without the stress. We said last week that you can carry and handle and um, overcome all of the tasks and the responsibilities that you have without the stress. You don't have to carry the stress and the pressure. We can cast the care unto the Lord. I encourage you to go listen to last week's message called Stress-Free Living and listen to it again because we can literally throw all of the pressure, all of the weight, All of the cares unto the Lord because he cares for me. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, cast your care on the Lord because he cares for me. In verse 6, it says that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due season. And then verse 7, it says, cast your care on the Lord for he cares for you. So that tells me that when we cast our care on the Lord, then we are humbling ourselves. And if we carry all of the cares, the stress, the pressure, the burdens, then we are in pride. Let me say it again. If you cast a care, if you humble yourself, you'll cast a care. If you don't humble yourself, you'll carry the care, and consequently, you'll be in pride. You'll be the one trying to carry everything that life's Uh, throws your way when God has told us through Christ Jesus that we are in him and in him there is peace. Somebody say peace. Peace. Now say it like you mean it. Say peace. peace. In me there is peace. 
in the world, there's going to be these things, but in me, there is peace. Now, go to John chapter 14 and look at verse 27. John chapter 14 and verse 27. Jesus is talking here once again, and he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now notice here, Jesus is departing. In this passage of Scripture, he is leaving us with a departing gift. He is telling the disciples, and obviously he is telling us as well, that I am leaving. They, they had been with him for three plus years and hanging with him every single day, learning from him. He's their master, their ruler, their friend, their teacher. And he's saying, I'm leaving, I'm departing. And when I leave, I'm going to leave you something. I'm going to leave you my personal peace. I'm going to leave you what I've been walking in since you met me. I'm going to leave you this eternal tranquility. I'm going to leave you my undisturbed composure. I'm going to give it to you as a gift. What the peace that's in me will now be in you. This is what Jesus is saying. He has left us. Notice he didn't say, I have left you a house or I left you a car or I left you some kind of massive material possession or inheritance, some, a big bank account. He left you something way more important than all of this fleshly, worldly, material substance. He left you his personal peace. Somebody say, I have the peace of Jesus. Say it one more time. I have the peace of Jesus. Say it one more time. I have the peace of Jesus. He left you a gift, and this gift is called peace. And this peace is his undisturbed composure. He left you his poise. He left you his calmness. He left you his coolness. <laughs> he, what he left you is self-control. If you notice Jesus on the earth, nothing rattled him. Oh yeah, there were times that he had to address things and there were times he had to handle things and there were times he had to stand up and defend certain things that God had told him to do, but he never did it without peace. He never responded to life's difficulties. He never, re let me say it this way, he never reacted to life's difficulties. He responded to life's difficulties. He had composure. Now notice if Jesus is the express image of, of, the, of the invisible God, or you could say it this way, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Notice God left you his peace. Think about this. Can God be rattled? No. Can, can God be flustered? 
Can God just be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of her. Is God ever like that? Scripture says he is long-suffering. So if God himself bequeathed you a gift, and that gift is peace, then it's time for you and I to unwrap this perfect gift called peace. It's time for us to activate peace on the inside, and we need to stop letting things rattle us. Stop getting uncomposed. Well, they said this about me, and now I have to react this way. Let me tell you something that only mature... Do you have mature ears today? This is only for mature ears. Are you ready? It ain't going to be X-rated either. It's going to be those you got to grow up, okay? Mature ears... No one can make you mad. Let me say it again. No one can make you mad. Well, they said that and they made me mad. No, you chose to get mad. Now, what they said was offensive. What they said was to instigate you to respond in a certain way, but they can't make you mad. Only you respond to how or react to how they are saying or treating you. I was a part of a youth group, and uh, this one particular guy, I was the, the pastor of the youth group, and we had a couple of uh, guys that really wanted to be gangsters in the youth group. Some of these youth, they just thought they was tough, and they wanted, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to be bloods and crips, and you name it. That's what they said they were, and they were young, and they were little. Okay, I mean, you're not that tough. You look how little you do. You're little, right? You're not tough. And they wanted to be tough. And this guy who was on my volunteer staff, he had been to prison for 20 years. He had done some things when he was 17, went to prison for it. By God's grace, because he, he was given life, by God's grace, I mean, only by the grace of God and the favor of God, was he paroled out of prison 20 plus years later. He was given life. And here's how he was given life. Listen to me, you need to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. He went somewhere, this is how he was given life. He went to a gas station with some friends and the friends killed the, per the person behind the counter and he went to jail along with all the other ones because he was not with the right people. I'm making sure I'm with the right people, praise the Lord. Are you subject to do something crazy? Okay, we're not going to hang out, praise God, because I ain't got time to spend my life in prison because you're going to do something stupid. Well, he went to prison because of that. And so he's on, my, he's on my volunteer staff, and these kids wanted to be tough, and he walked up to one of the kids. Now, this guy's tough. This is a real gangster, okay? He's 20 years in prison, and I mean, he's rough. So I had to kind of keep my eye on him because he was really rough, Okay. And he walked up to these kids and he said, he said, I can call you any other names and you ain't going to do nothing. They said, oh, you better not call me this and that. These are the kind of names. I'm going to do this and that. He said, I know people right now that can call you all type of names. You're going to stand there. You're going to do nothing. And that tells me right there that you can control your reactions. It, and that, there are people that I've talked to. I can't, I can't help it. I've got to put my hands on my wife. Well, if a police officer was standing right there, you wouldn't do it. So you can control yourself. Are you listening to me today? 
You don't have to respond because someone called you a crazy name. You don't have to respond crazy and react silly because someone said that you ugly. You ain't got to respond crazy because someone said you a Democrat or you a Republican. You ain't got to act all crazy like that. I knew it'd be quiet up in here today because some of y'all love that crazy. Well, my, my son said this, so I had to put my foot down. And I remember there was one particular guy, and his son said to him, and ain't nothing like your kids can make you do something crazy now. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Your kids can make you act. I have gotten bent out of shape, and I had to help apologize. Lord, I did not allow your peace to rule and reign in my life. Son, Daughters, please forgive me. But when you, when you notice and you realize that you have the peace of God, you don't have to respond like that. There was one particular time I went bowling, and I was in my early 20s, and, and all of us were in our 20s, and it was about six of us, and we all went bowling. And the guy next to us was an older guy, and he shouted some obscene thing to me while we're bowling. I don't know. I don't remember what happened, but it was bad. I mean, he said something pretty loud and obscene to me in the next lane. Well, you know, I'm in my 20s, right? And, and I'm in the best shape of my life. I don't know if y'all know this, but some people used to think I played for the San Diego Chargers. But that's another story. That's another story. I tell that story another day. And so I, I was in shape and good stuff. And I said, how dare this man say something crazy like that to me? And I had six other guys that egging me on. Dude, come on, do something. Come on, say something. Like, walk over there, do something. Come on, we got your back. And immediately, now, immediately, I said, no, the peace of God is on the inside of me. I, I've, I operate in undisturbed composure. I don't let some other person get me out of my composed state. I don't let their words, I don't let their actions, I operate with peace. And I said, no, guys, I said, and I said, the peace of God is all over me right now, and I ain't going to do nothing. Like, come on, let's walk over there together. Let's get in his face. Let's say something. I said, no, the peace of God is in me, and I will not lose my poise, my calmness, my cool. I'm not going to do it. Now, for months, they talked about me. They said I was a punk, and you were weak, and you were a wimp, and you didn't address it. He talked to you some other way. I said, his words don't matter to me. I know who I am. I know what God says about me. I know what he's done for me, and I am not going to jail over some stupidity. There are people, you remember when the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich came out? How many remember the Popeye's chicken sandwich? There were people literally fighting over the, over the Popeye's chicken sandwich and why. And here's the thing, they weren't really fighting over the Popeye's chicken sandwich. They were fighting because they were full of pride. Someone stepped on my foot. Someone got in my way. Someone cut in line. And they completely lost their cool. And they're out there swinging, punching, fighting over, ultimately, a chicken sandwich. <laughs> completely lost their cool and their peace. I used to work for a large ministry, and I worked in the prison area of the ministry. And my job at the time was to read all of the letters that the inmates wrote in. And they would write the ministry, and my job was to respond to the inmates. And this ministry was such a wonderful ministry that it would give free material to the inmates. If they wanted a book, they would give a book. If they wanted a Bible, they would give a Bible. I mean, it, whatever they asked for in their inventory, this ministry would give it to them. And I, and I would read their letters. That was my job, to literally all day read their letters and write them back. And more often than not, their letters were filled with, 
I was somewhere and someone said something to me and I killed them. And now they're in prison. But, but what if they could have activated the peace of God and not respond that way? I was, I was somewhere over here and I got into a fight and I didn't realize, but I beat the man to death. Why am I talking about this? Because you are only a few minutes away from doing something stupid like that too. Are you listening to me? Well, I'll never do that. You don't know what you're capable of doing. Well, I'll never say that. You don't know what you're capable of saying that comes out of your mouth. I, 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 I will never. What are you talking about, Pastor? You know who I am. I'm a Holy Ghost field. Let somebody mess with you in a certain way. Mess with your children, mess with your spouse. Let them, and you, you, all of a sudden, you didn't, the Holy Ghost didn't left, right? What happened? I thought you were Holy Ghost field. I thought I was too. Now I'm getting arrested. We're going to have to activate the peace of God, and we're going to have to humble ourselves. Somebody say, I am humble, and I am meek. Because if we don't, we will do things that is not pleasing to the Lord, we'll say things that hurt people, and then we'll try to bridge, try to create a bridge to, to reconnect and reconcile, and sometimes you've burnt the bridge. Now, now, it's gonna, now we need years. There are some things that people have said to each other, family members, and well, I'm sorry, it, 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 the, it's like if I punch Thomas right now in the eye. I just haul off and I punch him as hard as I can in the eye. Then I say, Thomas, I'm sorry. He said, well, my eye still hurts. The sorry didn't take away the pain. And so there's things we've said because we've, we've got agitated and, and, and I'm full of pride and how dare you say that to me and do you know who I am and, and I, I will not stand for that. And we say things and completely get out of our composed, poised, self-controlled, calm state. We completely relinquish the gift that Jesus gave us his personal peace. Somebody say, I'm full of peace. I worked at a Fortune 500 company. I was getting promoted. Uh, I got promoted three times in two years. I started out making $28,000, and after the end of the third year, I was making $120,000. I was on the fast track. God was promoting me, and, and I was moving up. And there was one episode that I had that the guys in the office were playing the dozens. You know what that is. They're talking about each other, playing the dozens. I don't like to play the dozens because I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings and all that stuff. So I don't like to do that. Well, all of a sudden, this guy started saying something about me. And he was on and on. He was on. I was, I was peaceful, you know. I just on and on and on and on. Finally, I said one thing about him. I shouldn't have said nothing, okay. But I turned and I said one thing about him, and he could not take it. He stood up like he was ready to fight. And I was sitting down like you guys, and he stood up like he was ready to fight. And he got a little louder, got a little louder. Well, pastor just relinquished the peace of God, okay. I stood up too. I said, what you want to do? I said, I know what you want to do. I said, you want me to handle you up in this office. I'm not that dumb. Let's go on outside. I, I, left, my, I left my seat, and I walked right on to the elevator. I said, come on, you're going to meet me. In, let's go to the parking lot, okay? Because I ain't going to do it up in here, but outside I'm going to tear you up, all right? Forgive me, okay? But I, that was before I became your pastor, okay? So I said, I said come on, come on. I, and I get to the elevator. I said, come on. I said, come on. I look, and all of a sudden this man comes running. 
towards me at the elevator. I'll never forget his name. is Jamie Ficino. He comes running. He said, do not go down that elevator. He said, you'll lose your job if you go down that elevator. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. And he grabbed me. I'm not going to let you lose your job over this. Don't go down that elevator. And I listened to him. I grabbed him, and I walked back to my seat. And, you know, everybody knew because I, I had gotten pretty loud up in there. Everybody knew I was upset, you know, this sort of this thing. And, and so everybody was real quiet on the floor. And he sat me down. We finished our work. And uh, next thing I know, my boss, his name was Mike DeGifford. I shouldn't be saying their names, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I forgot. We got a lot of, we got more exposure than I'm used to having. So, but um, Michael Gobliblo, that was his name. And so he pulled me aside and he said, you, I never forget this. He said, you are not here to make friends. You are here to make money. Let, let me, let me say it again. The people you work with, they're not your friends and you're not there to make friends. You are there to make money. He said, don't let anybody get in the way of you making money. I thought, man, that was revelatory to me. And he told me a story how he was in a meeting, a high-level meeting. Someone said somebody, he stood and walked over to him, and they had to break it up. And he was saying how someone told him that. Like, don't let anybody stop you from making money. You're here to make money. You're not here to make friends. And that story taught me because what I didn't know was all of the, there were people that, uh, that absor- uh, observed what had happened, and they went to the other managers, and the guy that was starting it, he's the one that got written up, got in trouble, all the good stuff. And me, they came to me asking, was I okay, and anything we can do to help you, and should we move your desk, and, and I'm sorry you had to respond to that. That's our fault that we allowed. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's great. And so he got in trouble. I I didn't, but it was one of those situations that I was this close, this close to losing my job. And, and I told y'all, I was getting promoted quick. That would have all stopped because I acted with a fit of carnality. And I didn't activate the peace of God. You carry with you everywhere you go the personal peace of Jesus. Just close your eyes for a second. Just think about that for a moment. The gift on the inside of you is his composure, his poise, his calmness, his coolness, his self-control. His dignity lies on the inside of you. Now, you can look at me. The peace of Jesus goes everywhere with you. So when they tell you some bad news, you don't have to flip out. I've got the peace of Jesus. When the doctor says some disturbing news, you don't have to just flip out. I've got the peace of Jesus. When you hear something on the the news, you don't have to flip out. I've got the peace of Jesus. A few weeks ago, I heard something on the news and it disturbed me. It rattled me. And I thought, man, my kids are never leaving the house. That was the first thing that popped in my mind. I heard this on the I said, they're not leaving the house no more. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We carry the peace of Jesus. We have Psalms 91. We have a father who cares for us. We have a covenant with God who's going to watch over our children. And when my children leave my house, this is what I say all the time. I place, Lord, I place them into your care. 
Hallelujah. Who can care better for our children than God? Nobody can. I thought, Lord, I place them into your care. They are not in my presence, but they are not away from your care. Glory to God. They are under your watchful supervision. And so the peace that we possess will cause us to not be stressed. Ooh, that's good. The peace that we possess will cause us not to be stressed. You can separate the stress from the task. You can separate the stress from the deadline. You can separate the stress from uh, the, the mark, the timeline, whatever it is you're dealing with. Oh, I got a, a person I'm meeting with, I'm stressed about the meeting. I could separate the stress from the meeting and say, Lord, I give you the stress. Now let me focus on this interaction that I have. Sometimes my phone will ring and there'll be people that I don't want to talk to. And as soon as I see their name, I stress out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I get stressed. And I thought, nope, I'm going to divide the stress from let me focus on what this person needs and let me help them. Amen. I said amen. amen. The peace of God that has been given to you, this departing gift, is not like what the world gives. The world is going to give you a peace that is temporary. Drink some of this alcohol. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make things worse, but that's their way. Make sure you drink a cup of wine every day and you'll settle you down. Yeah, then you're going to be addicted. Amen. A guy asked me recently, he said, I need to ask you a question. I said, I, I said yeah, what's going on? He said, um, my wife says that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, do you drink every day? I drink every day. I said, oh, okay. I said, do you carry a flask around? I do carry a flask. Oh, okay. Uh, how much do you drink? Uh, well, if I'm honest, I drink, I drink three or four beers a day. I said, and you carry a flask too? Yeah. You're an alcoholic. She's right. You're an alcoholic. You're not, de- you're not deceiving me. You're not deceiving you. You're deceiving yourself. You are an alcoholic. And uh, I don't know why I've said that, but somebody needs to hear that. If you drink it every day, you're an alcoholic. I'll say it again. Thank you for that enthusiastic amen. If you're drinking every day, you are an alcoholic. Somebody is supposed to hear this. And I don't even know where I was going with that. Praise the Lord. That's something the Lord wanted to say for somebody in here online or who would listen later. If you are drinking every day, you are an alcoholic. And admit it and get the help that you need. And so that's where I'm going. Thank you, Lord. The temporary things that the world would give is, well, drink some alcohol and, and, you know, just it'll calm your nerves down and you relax a bit. And another thing they'll say is, you know, these things aren't bad, but they're not true freedom. Well, you know, just take multiple deep breaths all day long. Oh, and you're taking these deep Next thing you know, that stress is still on you. Like, gosh, I've, I've lost all the air on the inside of me and I'm still stressed. I know that it sounds great, and maybe for a moment, temporary moment, I, I felt a little better, but the, the way to get rid of stress, the world has no answer for that. The world has no true solution for getting rid of stress. The only way you get rid of stress is you cast your care unto the Lord. You, this is what you do. You praise God. 
because we said this last week, and I'll say it again, praise releases the stress that has been repressed on the inside of you. Every one of us carries some form of stress, and when we begin to praise God, we release it. We let it go. We get it out, and we begin to thank God and praise God and uplift his holy name, and all of a sudden, we, we become de-stressed by simply praising the Lord. And so, we cast our cares. We cast the stress. We cast all of the concerns. We cast all of the anxiety. We, we get to the point that we say, I don't care. Well, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? And I'm not saying someone's asking you this. I'm saying this is what your, your mind is saying to you. Well, what are we going to do about this? And what are we going to do about that? And how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle that? You got to get to the point that says, I don't care. If God doesn't do it, it won't get done. Amen. Are you listening to me today? I don't say it. Say, I don't care. I don't care. Say it again. I don't care. Now, can you say it without being crashed? You know, you're saying it because you really mean it. Like, I, you know what? I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Well, how are you going to pay for that? I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Well, 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 the doctors are saying this, and, and, and uh, what are you going to do about all that pressure and stress? I don't care. I'll do what he or she says. But all the other stuff, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not designed to carry that care. You know, you're not designed to carry cares. You, your body, it, just do your own little study on your body. It is not designed to carry cares. Anxieties and pressure and, and, and all of these troubles, it's not designed it's designed to release it, and God has made a way for us that when we release the stress and the pressure, he will care for us. So he will carry it for you. This is why he wants you to give it to him, because he's big enough to carry it for you. He wants to carry it. I'll carry that, thank you. All you got to do is give it. God's never going to take the stress from you. You have to give it. God's never going to take the cares from you. You're going to have to give it to him, and he will carry it for you. I gave the illustration, I think last week I'll do it again. You know, as my children are growing up, a lot of, a lot of times they know how to do it better than me. This is what they say. I got it. I got it. My, one, my five-year-old, she knows how to do everything. I mean, she has done things that... She's never been taught to do, and it's not true, right? But I've, I've done that before. <laughs> We're going to the moon. I've gone there before. <laughs> and so I'll ask her, hey, let me help you with this. Let me, let me carry that for you. Let me, let, me, let me take care of that for you. I got it. I got it. Daddy, I got it. I got it by myself. I got to stop. I got it. Mommy, I told Daddy I got it. He still trying to help me. And this, is, and this is what we do. God said, let me handle that. I got it. Let me take care of that. I got it. I'll just go get another job. Let me take care of that. I got it. I'll just, I'll just go do this. Or I'll just go do that. I got it. I got it. And God's like, let me take care of that. 
Let me carry that. Let me handle that. I've noticed even with raising children that you cannot give them everything they need to know. I'm talking to somebody in here. (laughs) It is impossible for you to give them everything they need. There are some things they're going to get only from God and not from you. So you just cast the care over unto the Lord. There are some things that they're only going to get from him because God's trying to develop a relationship between him and them. And there are some things that you can't can't help them with. Only God can help them with. And they'll begin to run to him. And they'll develop their own relationship with him. So take the pressure off. I I used to carry the pressure before they leave this house. I got to get them. They got to do this, this, this. I probably had 300,000 things I need to teach them before they leave the house. I didn't even got to 150,000, right? I didn't even got to 100,000. I'm still on two or three things, okay? Y'all got to know these two or three things before they leave the house. Why? When they leave, you invest in them what you can and let God do the rest. Listen to me now because I'm going to help you sleep at night. I am releasing the care of them knowing everything, and God is going to have to do the rest. You're a good father, and you're going to have to do the rest. Those of you that don't have children and you're single, and you're saying, man, how am I going to meet that other person? You're going to have to let the care of that go and say, God, I'm trusting you to bring this to pass. Now, you still brush your teeth, and you still look good and, and, you know, work on yourself. But let God do what he does best, and that's care for you. Are y'all getting something out of this message today? Isaiah chapter 26. Turn there. Isaiah chapter 26. Meet me at verse 3. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah says, you will keep him, watch this, in perfect peace whose mind is Stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Now notice we can be kept in perfect peace. We can be kept poised and calm and cool and in control and with with undisturbed composure. How can we kept in this state of being? When we keep our mind, that's our thoughts, our attention, and our concentration on God. How do you keep your mind on God? You make his words the forefront of, his, of your thinking. You make his words a priority in your life. You consider his words more than you consider the words of anybody else. What is God saying to me in his word? That's what I'm thinking about That's what I'm meditating on. That's what I'm rehearsing. That's what I'm chewing on. What is God saying to me about this more than what my mind is telling me or what Pookie and Rayway is talking about? I'm I'm, I'm concerned about what God is saying to me, and I'm thinking about what he's saying and has to be found in his word. What is he saying to me in his word? word. And you're considering that because the greatest fear, the number one tactic the devil likes to use against us as believers is what God says. This is the greatest fear. What God says will not come to pass. 
That's the greatest fear that the devil tries to implement us and try to make us think. God said it, and it's not going to come to pass. This is why he told Eve, did God really say? The greatest deception ever, because he's trying to get us to consider maybe God doesn't mean what he says. And maybe, just simply maybe, he's not going to come through for you. Yeah, I know he did it for pastor, but he's not going to do it for you. And then you begin to consider that, and then you get uncomposed. (laughs) Then you get disturbed and agitated and distressed, and you act as if God doesn't even exist. And too often, you and I are acting like God doesn't even exist. What are you, what are you frustrated about? What are you, what, what's causing you anxiety? What, what are you full of care about? Consider what it is and say, does God exist? <laughs> well, he, he does exist. So why am, I caring about, why am I caring about that? Why am I frustrated? Why am I anxious over that? Why am I worried about that? God exists, and he exists in me, and he is for me, and he is with me, and he's thinking about me, and he has me on his mind, and he knows the number of hairs that are on my head, and my name is written in the palm of his hand, and he loves me, and he died for me, and he's taking care of me, and he's redeemed me, and he wants me to just to trust him. That's the last part of Isaiah 26.3. Once again, put it on the screen there if you don't mind. Isaiah 26.3. Look at the last, the last portion of that verse. Because you and I trust in God. We trust God. Somebody say, I trust God. Now say it like you mean it. Say, I trust God. I trust God. That means I completely rely and depend on on him. If it doesn't get done, it's because he couldn't do it. This is where you're supposed to get. If it don't get done, it's because God couldn't do it. And God said, God, I, I believe he's sitting up there smiling like, if you trust me like that, watch what I could do. If you let me lead, if you depend on me and rely on me, just simply watch what I can do. And I'll get it done. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I trust God. Somebody say, I depend on God. Somebody say, I rely on him. Somebody say, I love him. And he loves me. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www. TrueLifeFC.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.